Hi and welcome to Authorise, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier and we're here, of course, with thanks to CS Consulting Group. More about them a little later. Uh, And I always sort of feel like I should whisper because, you know, we're talking about books and it's all very reverent like a library, but... It's not, because this is our showbiz edition of the Authorised Podcast. Mark Bego is going to join us, a man who has written 66 books about some of the biggest stars in the uh, music and film world and the television world. Uh, He's a showbiz writer uh, of uh, second to none. 66 books tells you that he's prolific, so uh, we'll talk to him shortly. And also, Brian Mannix is on the program. Brian's uh, up to his second book. This one is an audio book which also comes in a book form as well as the uh, the audio book form. Uh, he's going to tell us about uh, his book, Hell, I Didn't Even Like Al Green. He'll explain the title. Uh, that'll be coming up a little later on. And also going to meet uh, one of the terrific staff from uh, CSCGR, sponsors of this podcast. That's the CS Consulting Group. And uh, Sam Pyatt's going to join us a little later on. Looking forward to having a quick chat to Samantha about life at uh, CSCG. But first up... Our guest is uh, Mark Bego. Mark's been on the New York Times bestseller list. He's written magazines. Uh, he's written uh, four magazines. He's written for television. He's been on television. Uh, he's written 66 books, as I mentioned. And it's a, a who's who of the uh, the music and entertainment industry. Uh, Madonna, Whitney Houston, Elton John. Done a terrific cookbook. Uh, he's done it all. And we'll talk to him now. Uh, Mark Bego is our first guest on Authorised. 66 books. It'd be fair to say you're prolific. Well, I like that title. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Since I'm barely that old. (laughs) Is it something that's easy? I mean, is writing something that comes really easily to you, or is it the the passion that you have for the subjects that you're talking about that that, that fuels your ability to, to, to do so much material? Well, what happened was when I was in high school, I was going to be an artist, but I would sit in my room and listen to record albums of the time, which was the late 60s, The Supremes, that's Sonny and Cher, and The Beatles, and The Monkees, and Three Dog Night. And I'll be darned if I didn't do books about all of those groups. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and Martha and the Vandellas, and the list goes on. So in, to answer your question, it is partially a passion for that music, because I found it inspiring when I was growing up. You walk into my house and there's something playing at all times. Well, before we started the interview, you had to turn the, the stereo down. <laughs> Why, exactly, exactly. We didn't want John Coltrane interfering with us. <laughs> hey, Mark, what is it about the subjects? Is, is it is it the, the, the kind of little link that you have with them because you, you grew up listening and loving their music and, and, and what they do? Because you've not only done musicians, you've obviously done actors and a whole stack of other people too. But is it is it that, uh, that kind of uh, personal link that you have with the people that, that inspire you to choose them? How do you choose your subjects? It very often is. Being from Detroit, Michigan, I grew up with Motown. Motown was happening right down Woodward Avenue from where I lived. Something that uh, when I started out as a journalist, my dream was like, oh my God, I would love to interview these people. Well, I'll be darned if I didn't get to do interviews (laughs) with them. In fact, when I was still in college, I was dared by a Chicago-based magazine called Black Stars. And little blue-eyed me walked into their offices with my clippings from my college newspaper. And uh, Ariel Strong, the editor, said, if you can get an interview with The Temptations, I'll buy the article. Uh So I drove myself with four friends to New Jersey, where The Temptations were performing at a casino. And naively, I knocked on the backstage door (laughs) and said, hi, I'm Mark Beagle. I want to be a writer. And I've got this assignment from Black Stars Magazine. Can I talk to The Temptations? 
And the stage manager looked at me like, are you out of your skull? (laughs) (laughs) um, He said, I'll be right back. Let me see. And I'll be darned if Melvin Franklin, the deep voice baritone of the the classic temptation, didn't say, if you don't mind me eating dinner while we talk and partially watching the basketball game, you can do an interview. Oh, wow. So I did. (laughs) Wow. And I sold it, and that became my first... First interview that uh, I told. That's sort of the almost famous story, isn't it? I mean, uh, the uh, you know you jump, keep knocking on doors, and eventually it sort of works for you. Exactly, and it was Cameron Crowe who wrote that movie. And yep. the, the minute I saw it, I, I used to I, I knew Cameron back in the day when we were both writing for a magazine called Crawdaddy. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> ages ago, that's another Detroit-based thing. Well, I saw Almost Famous, and I was like. Oh my God! He stole my story. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, you've had amazing success too. I mean, uh, you had three number one uh, books uh, last year, and uh, Eat Like a Rockstar is about to be re-released. Is that right? Yes, my cookbook. I I decided after writing all these bios about all my favorite singers and and all these uh, actors and, and famous people that I would like to do a book that that pulls them all together. I'm going to do an all-rockstar cookbook. And that's how Eat Like a Rockstar was born. And I was thrilled. It was one of those things where I said to my literary agent, I want to do a celebrity cookbook. And he said, are you out of your mind? No one (laughs) is going to take you seriously. You will never get a cookbook. Oh, yes, I will. So I started calling everybody I knew that was in my phone book uh, that I'd work with, different rock stars. And one by one, they gladly gave me recipes. The first one was Boz Skaggs. I was, I was like, okay, I'm on, I'm on track here. Boz Skaggs gave me a recipe. You got Bill Wyman's lamb chop, and uh, you, I mean, you've got Mickey Dolan's. You've got, you've, you've covered an enormous amount of people. And uh, and who I thought who thought rock stars were good in the kitchen? Well, hey, you know, <laughs> it's funny you should mention Bill Wyman. I was with Mary Wilson on a Bill Wyman band tour where Mary was the, the special guest star, and it was a bus tour. And I met Bill a couple times, and I met him on the tour. I'd met him before the tour, but I, on the tour, I had a moment to sit and talk with him. And I said, Bill, I'm doing this cookbook. Uh, do you have a recipe you do? No, I don't cook. The only thing I make is a cup of tea. And I was like, no, no, I know you make something. And well, I do make these lamb chops. Well, the next thing I knew, I had the whole recipe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how these things happen. Well, didn't you get one? It wasn't one of the recipes dictated to you as you were waiting for your baggage to get off an airplane or something like that? Yes, yes. Michael McDonald of the Doobie Brothers. That's right. I absolutely adore. I had run into him on the plane. He was in first class. I was in, uh, in not first class. Yeah. <laughs> So I walked by him sitting there in first class. I said, Michael, he goes, Mark Vigo, what are you doing here? <laughs> so we're at baggage claim. There's Michael McDonald. And I, I gave him my spiel about, you know, I know you've got a recipe. Well, I really don't cook, he says. But you know what I really like is this pasta with cheese. And it gives me all the ingredients. I said, can that be your recipe? He goes, oh, yeah, I love that. The rock star kind of lifestyle has never kind of led itself to anything. We've always thought of hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff, but there obviously is. I mean, they own wineries and restaurants and fine dining, so, uh, yeah, there is something in there. Exactly. Now, another one that was very characteristic is Martha Reeves of Martha and the Vandellas. Yeah. See, I got her on the phone, and she said, she said I'm going to give you a recipe I love. It's turkey neck and lima beans. And she said to me, oh, honey, it's 
It's pure soul food. You're going to love it. Eddie Kendrick, <laughs> the temptation, insisted I cook this for him all the time. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And I made the recipe so I could photograph it, and I'll be darned. It was great. Oh, good. Hey, Mark, often when you do biographies on people, uh, you, you can become friends with them or you can become enemies with them. How's that, has that kind of panned out for you over the years? Well, the enemy category might be the ones that I've done that are unauthorized and yep. said something unflattering. Yep. Those are the ones that usually end up ticked at me. The ones that I do with people, like Jimmy Greenspoon, A Three Dog Night, I did his book here in Tucson. I did I just worked with Mary Wilson on Supreme Glamour, which hit number one last year. Um, these kinds of books, they don't end up mad at me because I'm helping them put their words into uh, into the framework of a book. So we're, we become writing partners. So I'm not a ghost. There's ghost writing, which is where the writer doesn't have his name, his or her name on the book. Yeah. They're just behind the scenes. I always do collaborations. Yeah. So that when you when you see one of the subjects that's uh, written by Mark Vigo, I've had my hands all over it. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that a lot of the subjects uh, are people that, uh, as a kid, you were in your, in your bedroom listening to and, uh, you know, obviously you're a fan of. Uh, did and, uh, Was there anyone uh, where you were just, you, you dissolved into fanboy or were you always able to kind of uh, distance yourself from fanboy and be, you know, journalist stroke writer? I can act like I'm calm when I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so there are those moments. There definitely are those moments. When I remember t- having those moments with like little Richard and, you know, people like that went, oh my God, there's little Richard yeah. and walk over and say hello. And he was fabulous. Just really nice. Because when you talk to, I mean, absolute icons uh, like Aretha Franklin uh, is a name that uh, that pops up in here, and and that that is one person who who you just think, my God, that's that's one of the living treasures. That's one of the absolute, you know, uh, musical treasures of our lifetime. Well, and I have to say that was an amazing event in that I was in uh, my parents' home in suburban Detroit, in Michigan. And uh, I got a phone call. Uh, we have an interviewer going to Aretha Franklin's house in two days, and the interviewer has come down with the flu. Can we send you broadcast quality tape equipment, and would you take it over to Aretha Franklin's house? And we want three hours on tape, and it'll just be you and Aretha. Oh, wow. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I figured out how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz. And actually, I ended up having a really nice rapport with Aretha that day, or so I thought, uh, and I asked her if she would like to write a book with me, and she said, no, I don't. I don't ever want to write a book. So I went back to my publisher, and I said, she doesn't want to do it, and they said, well, do it without her. You've got the interview. I said, okay, I'll do that, <laughs> and I went around. I found her ex-husband, who she hated. I found her first record producer at Columbia Records in the early 70s. Uh, Clive Davis talked to me. Jerry Wexler, who did all those fabulous Atlantic Records yeah. recordings with her. I got all these fabulous people, and when the book came out, it was a big success, and it came out four different times. It got great reviews, and through a friend of mine who worked for Aretha Franklin, she said, Miss Franklin now refers to you as that awful Mark <laughs> Can't win them all. <laughs> well, at least she says your name correctly. That's the most important thing. Hey, Mark, a lot of these stories, unfortunately, don't have happy endings, do they? I mean, you, you've done books on, on the likes of Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. Yes. Oh, that was, Whitney especially, was tragic, and Michael as well, my gosh. Uh, when I first wrote a book about Whitney, and it, it's, I've done three of them, but the first book I did on Whitney was in 1986 and called Whitney with an exclamation mark. And uh, it was Whitney. 
And a beautiful picture of her and the story was, she's so beautiful and she sings so wonderfully. And, you know, she's got such a centered life and her, she grew up in the church and she's very, you know, God-fearing, church-going, blah, 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 blah. Well, then the story completely turned around about 10 years ago, 10 years after, I should say. And it got worse and worse. And we watched the decline of Whitney. So then I was on hand for her revival in uh, 2009. And she did a European tour, which was a disaster. But my German publisher wanted a book out in time for the tour, thinking it was going to be a hit, the the book and the, the tour. Uh, so I revamped it, and they translated it into German. And then when she passed away in 2012, I got a call from my agent, how quickly can you update your book? Um, and it was really kind of a sad thing, mm. because here is someone I had written about who had so much, had it all, had the acting talent, the voice, everything. And threw it all away for drugs. Yeah, in in uh, in publishing terms, I'm imagining that uh, your book publisher would have been delighted with the timing. Was it right that you, Michael, ja- your original Michael Jackson book came out at, at the time when the the whole Pepsi thing happened with him, unfortunately setting fire to his hair during the making of the commercial and all that stuff? It was exactly the week he caught his hair on fire during the Pepsi commercial, and I sold eight million copies. So, wow. sometimes tragedy pays. Yes. <laughs> and I swear I did not light his hair on yeah, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when you do, uh, you know, larger-than-life, uh, boisterous uh, sort of controversial figures and, and figures who are not shy people like Elton John and Madonna, do when you do those books, do you expect to get flack for them or, or from, from them personally or their people? Uh, I interviewed Madonna at a very crucial point in her career right before Like a Virgin came out. So oh, I got right. to meet her right on the crest of her fame. And she was kind of snotty then. I said to her, I said, Madonna, you won't believe this. I was born in Pontiac, Michigan, where you grew up. And she said, that blank, blank, blank. Who cares? Oh, 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 right, okay. I was like, well, so much for the hometown warm references. (laughs) The bonding exercise I just tried isn't going to work. I went to a party about a week later that was in her honor, and I said, oh, Madonna, hi, good to see you. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> and turns away. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so uh, not everybody loves me, I guess. What, what about Elton John? When you when you sat down and did uh, start to do that one, did you think that you might cop some flack from him? Because he's not backward and coming forward. Well, what happened was I had met Elton in the 80s backstage at Madison Square Garden once. So I, I knew him, hung out with him a little bit. Then I didn't meet him again until within the last 10 years, Mary Wilson and I, uh, have gone together to Elton John's Academy Awards party. I, I go as Mary's guest. I'm not so famous that Elton invites me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mary takes me, which is fabulous. And Elton's always been just charming and nice to both of us. Oh, he loves Mary. Absolutely loves Mary. In fact, the first time I went with her to one of these events, I've been four times. As soon as he saw Mary, Elton's eyes just lit up and went, Mary! And came running over her. It was so wonderful to see. It's like he is a big record fan as well. Oh, so yeah. in, in spite of his tantrums and, you know, control issues and what have you, he too is a music fan. Uh, he never sued me, though, um, to answer your question. <laughs> he, never called, he never called me anything that Aretha Franklin did. <laughs> hey, you had a little uh, dabble to do a fiction novel. You always wanted to write a, a murder mystery book? Well, I thought, everyone kept saying, when are you going to write a novel? When are you going to write a novel? And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I always loved those Agatha Christie mysteries when I was growing up. The, you know, the Hercule Poirot or, 
or, or uh, Miss Marple mystery. And there was always, you know, these clues that are left. And, you know, you, there's one person who's the suspect, but it's really the other person who is the murderer. <laughs> and I came up with this idea of writing a novel about what I knew about. And I thought, I'm going to make it all in the record business. And there's going to be a record company. And everybody has an axe to grind with the president of the record company, and he ends up dead. And everybody on the label is a suspect. I thought that's perfect. I'll just take all the music stories I know, weave them together, fictionalize everything, and turn it into a novel. And it became Murder at Motor City Records. Beautiful. first novel. Um, One of these days it'll be a movie, I hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it obviously lends itself to that. Um, you, you mentioned uh, you're working, uh, your new book is uh, is on Frida Payne, who in this country is exceptionally well-known. Uh, Band of Gold was a monster hit here. Oh, absolutely huge. And, of course, we have to call the book Band of Gold. That's, yep. that's such a trademark of hers. She has just a fabulous story. I've known Frida since the 70s when I was a music critic in New York. I'm also doing books, but I also wrote for magazines a lot. Yeah. And I met her. She was performing at the Playboy Club. And uh, I remember meeting her and writing about her then. Um, and then I met her several times through Mary Wilson or at different events. And we always, you know, had nice, charming conversations. Well, a couple of years ago, she said, I really want to do my memoir. The Band of Gold story is great, but there's so much more to her life leading up to it. And what she's done afterwards, yeah. I, I didn't realize that she'd sung with Duke Ellington, that she'd been on Broadway uh, in a starring role, oh, wow. uh, that she had affairs with a lot of very powerful men. Oh. I won't tell you who, because the book is coming. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and she's just a doll. She's, so, she's funny. She's very natural. She's a great singer, and she's an absolutely delightful friend. So this, this is one of the nice things about this business is I end up with some just beautiful, talented, famous friends inadvertently through writing these books, and, and Frida has become one of them. Yeah, and obviously Mary Wilson's the uh, the one that you keep coming back to all the time too. Oh, she's my best buddy. Congratulations. 66 books is an enormous amount of work. That's a that's fabulous CV to have uh, sitting there in your, in your bookcase, 66 books. That's oh, remarkable. I remarkable. appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it and look forward to the Free to Pain book. Absolutely. It'll be out next spring. Great stuff. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you so much. Fantastic to have Mark on our program. And don't forget to check out uh, the availability of his books at all your favourite bookstores around the place. That uh, Eat Like a Rockstar is one that I'm sure you'd find more than fascinating. And we look forward to the Free to Pain book coming out uh, uh, early next year. Uh, now, uh, we uh, have a little uh, treat for you today on our Authorised Podcast. We're going to go inside uh, the hallowed halls of CSCG. That's the CS Consulting Group. And, of course, you can check them out uh, on their website, also on their Facebook page, uh, cscg.com.au. Or if you're uh, needing some financial help, give them a call. Uh, it's Melbourne 03, so it's 9974 8333. is that number. But let's go inside the uh, hallowed halls of uh, CSCG, as you can do now that uh, all the lockdown restrictions are just about up and running. Uh, and we're going to meet uh, Samantha Pyatt. Now, Samantha, I'm happy to say, and uh, congratulations to her, has been there, is it 20 years? I have, yes. <laughs> so clearly there's something about the place that you like a lot. Uh, I do. It's a good family environment. Um, I've grown up through the ranks. I started as a graduate. And now I'm obviously an associate with there. You know, it's a good, friendly bunch, supportive. You learn a lot. And I've enjoyed every 
I must admit, every day that I've been here. Yeah. Uh, the last year's obviously been a, uh, a, a one of uh, difference to all of us in whatever industry you work in, uh, 2020 will look back on a really different. Uh, things starting to kind of just get back to normal now a little bit? Uh, yes, they have. So um, we were lucky enough we were all able to work offline. So, you know, we had to rely on a bit of technology to get us through, but we managed quite well. We were fully operational from home. But now that we're back in the office, it's good to see people and be able to interact with actual people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we've been back now for a week and, and everyone was so glad to come back, which yeah. was a good sign in itself as well. Absolutely. Again, one of the things that I know, uh, Ori and everyone there prides themselves on it at, at CSCG, is is that personal contact, is that is that relationship between you and the person who walks through the front door. Exactly. What area do you specialise in, Sam? Um, compliance. So I um, am part of the compliance team. So we look after, obviously, the tax returns, the financials, the banking, uh, people that have, you know, information that they need to provide to banks. It's, it is. I mean, it's a, it's such a vast area of the finance world and there's so many boxes to tick and all that. But the, the one thing that I know uh, CSCG really does pride itself on is that you do tick all the boxes. You Whatever it is you come in and want to talk to, uh, talk to you guys about in terms of finance, you've got it covered by someone. Exactly. So we run um, several divisions here at CSCG. We've obviously got the compliance, which is our um, main division, but we've also got our financial planning division and our lending. So usually when um, someone in the compliance team can't assist you, we do have those divisions that will step in and um, we obviously push them along to those divisions to assist them with their super funds, um, their lending requirements for banks. Yeah. Not much that we can't assist while you're in the office, which is a great asset to have in CSCG. Yeah, absolutely. It's a team effort. There's no doubt about that. Hey, Sam, uh, congratulations on your 20 years with the company. Does, do, do you get a gold watch or do you get a little uh, little memento of some description of your, your 20 years? I do, yes. Nice. I'll have to wait till the end of the year to get it, but um, <laughs> I am looking forward to it. <laughs> 20 years is a good effort, I must say. It, it also um, shows a lot about them as well. So for, there's a few of us that have been here for such a long time, so that does show you know, what our core values are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice to have something to look forward to at the end of this, uh, what's been a pretty ordinary year up until now. Exactly. (laughs) Good on you, Sam. Thanks so much for your time and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Uh, lovely to uh, have Sam on the program and uh, also it is fantastic to have the support of cscg.com.au. You need finance help, uh, you need to be steered in the right direction, you've got some questions, give them a call, Double nine seven four eight three. Double three. Uh, that is uh, our great supporters here on the Authorised Podcast. My next guest is onto his second book, believe it or not. And this one's an audio book. And we've been mates for a while now and we're doing all sorts of uh, podcasts and uh, projects together. It's Brian Mannix, author of the brand new uh, book, the book book and the audio book called Hell, I Didn't Even Like Al Green, Trip in USA. <laughs> Hello, Brian. Hello, Kev. Thanks for having me on the show. A pleasure. Now, this is kind of like an audio uh, diary of your, your trip to the States. Well, yeah, um, it, that's pretty much exactly what it is, except um, <laughs> um, but when I do an audio book, I turn it into pretty much a radio play so that if you hear a plane, if a plane takes off, well, you have to hear the plane take off and if any any noise that I see happening, if there's, I'm in a bar, you need to hear the bar. So it, it took a lot longer than I expected to um, 
because most of the time you just have the dialogue from the book, but I added in all the sound effects and music and everything, which um, was probably a bit silly, but it does make it a hell of a lot Oh, more no, a, a lot of audiobooks are just a drone of someone going, and then we went to the countryside and we frolicked in the woods. Uh, whereas well, yours has got a lot of guts and a lot of – it's got a lot of feel in it. Well, yeah, I, I, I sort of wanted to make people feel – like they are at the place that I'm talking about. So, you know, when I'm on the beach in Hawaii, you can hear the seagulls and you can hear the water and, um, and you know, vice versa when Gavin Wood picks me up in his car and he crashes the car, well, you, you can hear the crash and <laughs> <laughs> get a feel for the crash. <laughs> and one of the places you, you went to uh, and it, it, it was a different experience for you than I guess you, you probably imagine was... was the home of Elvis Presley, who's long time been an idol of yours. Yeah, look, um, look, he's. I didn't like the whole setup um, in that you got to go to a joint across the road, and they're, and they're sort of making out like it's Disneyland or um, Universal Studios, and you got to get in a bus, and they drive you across the road. I would have rather just walk, um, <laughs> and the grounds are fantastic, um, but you get inside, and it's kind of very small in that it looks sort of like a three-quarter size house to me. Yeah. And you've got John Stamos bunging away in your ears telling you such <laughs> useless information like, look to your left, it's a dining table. Eating uh, <laughs> eating was very important to Elvis. <laughs> Mealtimes were very important to Elvis. Well, I think anybody who'd seen Elvis in the last couple of years would already have a fair inkling that mealtimes were pretty important to him. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big rap for um, Elvis's house. I just thought it was, you know, because they've got things in there like an invoice that happens to have Elvis's name on it, but it was some guy who fixed the fence and they've got that framed like it's, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls or yeah. something. And I, I, just, I just found the whole thing pretty tacky, whereas Sun Studios, where he recorded, I thought that was great. Yeah. But anyway, it's all in the book and um, it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, some really funny parts in it. And the, the thing that everyone's going to immediately go when they when they either see the name of it or, or get a copy of the book uh, is to go, hell, I didn't even like Al Green. That in itself is a story. Yes. Do you want me to tell it to you? Well, if you'd like to, that'd be wonderful. Well, I I met this taxi driver in Memphis and um, he was a really cool old black dude and he says to me, um, so, you play? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a musician. He goes, yeah, y'all look like Rod Stewart. <laughs> so so anyway, I start talking to him about whether he played and he had his grandchildren. I got three grandchildren, Eagle, Noble. Goddess. I'm thinking regal, noble and goddess, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, I'm asking him whether he plays and he tells me that he, he played with Al Green. And he, I asked him about how he got the job and he said, like, he was just taking a friend there and Al Green saw him and said, who are you? And he goes, oh, I'm just nobody, sir. He goes, you don't look like a nobody to me. Do you play? <laughs> I said, well, yes, sir, I do. So let me hear you play. So I played for him. But, um, and then Al Green likes the way he plays and sends anybody else auditioning for the band away and says he sent 200 people away and he gave me the gig. You know what? Hell, I didn't even like Al Green. <laughs> and he, he says that several times about how much he didn't like Al Green, but he ended up working for him and becoming his musical director. But um, 
I was just so charmed by this bloke that every yeah. time I saw somebody with a hat on or in America after that, I'd just go, yeah, I didn't like Al Green. <laughs> and it just became a catchphrase for me. And um, when I wrote the book, I thought, yeah, I'll call it that. It's funny how America's that that wonderful place in many ways where everyone you meet has a story and they're not frightened to tell it to you. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I was talking to one girl and she was telling me about how much she hates Trump, you know, he reckons he's an embarrassment and that he's stupid and he's all of this and blah, 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 blah. I said, oh, yeah, fair enough. And then I said to her at the end, I said, so did you vote? And she said, well, no, I, I didn't vote. And I thought, my goodness, you know, um, <laughs> if you're not going to get off your ass and bother to vote, <laughs> does it seem right to be bitching about the results if you didn't even, you had your chance and you didn't take it? So... Anyway, I found that kind of funny, but um, a lot of funny people you meet over there and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I don't think I'd want to be rushing there now, but um, I'm glad I went and um, I think my book gives you good, a good feel for what the place is like. Yeah, absolutely, from uh, from one side of the country to, to the other and uh, I know you're not a, a massive fan of American food. Oh, I don't know how they can get fat, Kev, because <laughs> the food is so bad. You know, they've either got to deep fry something or cover it with 36 types of artificial cheese or spray some lolly paste over it or some horrible rub. Um, I lost a lot of weight while I was over there. I know you I know you walk a lot when you're on holidays, but... Um, I didn't eat a lot because it was just every time mealtime would come, you go, oh, no, it's mealtime. Who's who's going to stuff up a meal tonight? And, <laughs> yeah, I was very unimpressed with their food. Now, the uh, the audio book, obviously, is, as you mentioned, has got uh, just it's a, it's a one it, – you've, you've called it like a radio play. That's exactly what it's like. Uh, mm. it, it's beautifully done uh, with the sound effects and, and the voices. Everything that's in there is done really, really nicely. And the, the actual uh, physical hardcover book that you've got or softcover book that you've got yeah. has an um, interesting cover. Well, you know, yeah. Um, the cover's got a uh, picture of – Donald Trump, Kim Jong-un and me and I've got three cans of beer in my hand. So, you know, I'm just fixing up world peace here with my, yep. with my VB stubbies. But now it, Donald's lost the job and <laughs> I think, you know, it's sort of a book's out of my cover's out of date now, so yes. that's a bit unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I'll probably sell that at gigs and stuff. But you can get the uh, audio book um, – from Google Play and iTunes, and it's yeah, it's a good laugh. And the the actual what we lovingly call you and I the book book also has some of your drawings in there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, with all my books, I do a few drawings in there because when I was at um, high school, um, you know, you get your maths book or something, and you draw Spider Man on the side of the page, or you know, some girl in a bikini on the other side of the page, and. I just thought when I was doing my books, I think, oh, well, I'll make it like my school books and have a couple of my stupid drawings in there sort of illustrating the point. And um, so that's what I do. And I did it in my autobiography as well and um, I'll probably continue to do it. <laughs> yes. Listen, thanks for having a chat with us about uh, hell. I didn't even like Al Green. Thanks for telling us the story of the title and of the, uh, the audio book and the book. And uh, we look forward to your next tome at some stage, Brian. Well, we'll we'll get on to that soon, I suppose. I think a I think a feature film is next on the agenda. Oh. But anyway, we'll see. All right. Brian Maddox, thanks for being unauthorized. Thanks, Kev. Terrific to have Brian 
on our authorised podcast. I do a couple of other podcasts with Brian, the Rock and Roll podcast and the Life of Brian podcast, but uh, good to have a chat to him about his audio book and it is a very entertaining listen. Uh, he's spent a lot of time putting it together, as you heard, and uh, it's certainly been well worth it. It's very funny. Uh, some great moments in it. Um, a thanks also to Mark Bego uh, from uh, America for being on uh, 66 books. You'll find them in uh, bookshops right across Australia and uh, all the big names are there for you to have a read, including that terrific uh, Eat Like a Rock star book as well. Mark Bego and Brian Mannix, my thanks to both for being on our podcast. And don't forget, support our terrific sponsors, CSCG. That's the CS Consulting Group, cscg.com.au. Uh, they're in Melbourne. They can help you with any financial uh, any financial questions you have, whatever it is. Uh, as you heard uh, Samantha say earlier when we are talking to her, uh, whether it's uh, lending, whether it's banking, whether it's uh, looking after your superannuation, they can help you out. Check out their website and Facebook page, CSCG cscg.com.au and they're in Melbourne. It's double nine seven four eight three double three double nine seven four eight three double three. Until the next time, happy reading, and I'll see you soon on Authorized. <laughs> <laughs>